Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. ...that lived a long time ago, and I didn't understand Jesus, and we understood a little bit more of him. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, please get that message. Uh, the world-changing excellence and the measure is Jesus. And the fullness of everything that he is ascribed to him as a king. Well, as a king, he has established his kingdom. Made up of two words, domain, which is the second word, means area. And king is the area where the king has the ability to rule. A king's domain, a kingdom. And the question is, who rules in your life? And if Jesus does not sit as the king of kings, then there is no peace, there is no joy in your life because his kingdom is not um, possessions and things. It's, he says it's joy and peace and righteousness, things put in the right place that produce, the things in the right place produce peace. Things out of place is confusion and chaos. And a lot of people's thoughts are mixtures of, of a lot of thoughts. I can't put my thoughts together. You know why? Because there's no keen in your life. As soon as there's a keen in your life, he rules and reigns above all things. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to think anything. All you have to do is say, Jesus, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Where do you want me to go? And so I was looking in the um, Webster Dictionary, the, the definition for kingdom. And you find out if, if there's a kingdom that you live in. And it says, a nation whose ruler is a king. A people who acknowledge a king in their life. I used to think that the king in my life was Joaquin. And so I did everything I wanted, how I wanted, where I wanted. If anybody came to speak into my life, I said, excuse me, you're not keen here. I am. I'm the one that's calling the shots. I'm the one making the decisions. A nation whose ruler is a king. Another definition, the Webster Dictionary says, it says a place, a world in which God is king. A kingdom is a place where God is king. As people look into your life, who do they see you submit to? Come in an attitude of reverence. Uh, uh, I want this, nevertheless, not my will, thine be done. What do you want? How do you see things? And if I stay within the kingdom, I'm sure to receive all the blessings of the king who reigns and rules in that realm. Another, um, another definition in the Webster Dictionary about kingdom is the form of government as headed by a king. That's what a kingdom is. It's, it's, a, it's a series of a lifestyle that everybody defers to the king. You, your reign, your rule, your way above my way. And so that's why King Herod didn't like Jesus coming into the world. And he wanted to kill him. And he killed all the children to make sure there was no chance upon earth that anyone would take his throne. I ask you, who sits on your throne? Who rules and reigns in your life as king? 
doing what his pleasure is. Another, another uh, definition, the Webster Dictionary, I didn't know it had so many uh, different descriptions, but it says the realm in which God's will is fulfilled. When you have a king in your life, his will comes to pass according to his pleasure. A king without a realm, a government, uh, a rule in our life, say, say to your neighbor, is no king at all. There's no king. If it's not his will, if it's not his rule, if it's not his reign, if it's not his government, then there is no king. Or rather, he is not king. So there it is. Is there a possibility that there is the kingdom Jesus spoke about? And is there a king? For without a reality of king, there is no kingdom. And every teaching of Christ concerns the kingdom of his father. Every teaching, every parable. And he said these words in John chapter 3, a very uh, powerful religious man came up to him and tried to ask him questions. And Jesus says, listen, you could never see the kingdom of God unless first you have been born again. John chapter 3 verse 3. You have to start all over from the beginning and ask Jesus to be keen in your life. Jesus, I repent. I'm sorry. It says, Jesus answered and said to him, Most definitely, I say to you, most assuredly, unless the person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I speak to people all the time. and They're like, I don't understand you. You're seeing things I don't see. You're, you're living a life that I don't live. Why don't I see what you see? Well, you haven't been born again. You haven't taken a step to say, Jesus, I lay down my kingdom. I lay down my rule. I lay down my will, my government, that I might see yours. And so the, the word there is see. It was funny because years ago I was reminded as one of the members of our church came up to me and he says, Pastor, I'm just starting to become a Christian and, and there's some friends in my life that are Mormons. What are Mormons? I don't understand Mormons. I said, well, the Mormon religion says that once you live life following the Mormon way and you die and you're faithful to the Mormon church, you get to be God in your own universe and in your own planet. And he goes, oh, that doesn't work. I already tried it. It was hilarious. Because the only God some people know is me, myself, and I, the satanic trinity. I do what I want, how I want, where I want. I don't acknowledge God. I don't acknowledge His Word. I don't acknowledge His principles and His ways. And so Jesus is telling Nicodemus, if you do not, if you are not born again, if you do not decide to make Jesus your king, you can never see the kingdom. Verse 4, Nicodemus says like this, How can I be born? I'm already old. How can I enter a second time in my mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered in verse 5, Most definitely, assuredly I say to you, unless you become obedient in baptism of water, and if you become susceptible to the Spirit of God, he says, unless you're born of the water and the Spirit, 
You cannot, say with me, enter. One thing is to see the kingdom. Another thing is to live inside the kingdom. This morning, one thing is for you to see that Jesus wants to be king. And another thing is if you're going to let him be king. And this is a day-to-day battle. There are, there are, there's a dark kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. It's run by the king in that realm called Satan. But there's a kingdom of your life. And the king in that realm is called self. And you reign on high. Hallowed be your name. And you worship you and you worship your thoughts. But he says, if you're born, if you walk in baptism of water, obedience... If you receive the Spirit of God, if you don't, He cannot enter the kingdom of God. You can never come close to experiencing the joys of having Jesus be your king. Mark chapter 1 verse 14, the very first time Jesus spoke any words upon the earth, starting out His ministry, it says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. The good news, the word gospel, it's the pronouncement of good news. There is a realm you can live with that Jesus is king, that his will will be done, that his government is established. Those of you that don't know, is the kingdom of above all kingdoms. We said that the week before last. He is the king over everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means no devil in hell could come and affect your life when Jesus is your king. They would have to ask him for permission. The time has come. In verse uh, 15, he said, "The, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is within reach. So turn and believe in this message of the gospel. Quit living your own life so you could see him. Verse 16, what's that mean in practical terms? Practical terms is as Jesus Christ comes up to the men and announces the declaration of his gospel. This is what happened. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw a man named Simon, who later would be Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Verse 17, Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. As you turn to Christ, the agenda changes. You're not going to live for your life and your purpose. You have no kingdom. You have no kingdom of heaven. You're, you're not walking in God's pattern and plan. And so he told these men, follow me. And my purpose in your life will be different than what you're doing now. I promise you that when you follow Jesus, you're going to see the glory of God. You're going to see his faithfulness. What my son is doing is, is, is crazy. I know that if I follow Jesus, I have an inheritance. Because a faithful son receives what the father has laid up for him. And so he's telling these men, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. What did they do? Well, I'm in school. Well, I have a, a job. I don't know what to do. I'm busy. I got my own plan. No. Their response to the message of the kingdom, say with me, they immediately left their nets and followed him. I, I, I'm so blessed with these men. 
They're like, listen, I'm catching the first boat out of, I'm going to get out of my confused, lost, struggling state. And when he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat mending their nets. They were busy. They had things they were doing. And verse 20 says, Immediately he called them, and they left their father in the boat with the hired servants, and they went after Christ. There's a mystery. Billy Graham says like this, I will say the same message in front of hundreds of thousands of people. One will follow Christ, and the other will harden their heart and walk away from Christ. It's a mystery. In my generation 30 years ago, Jesus Christ came to every cousin of mine, every neighbor, every friend. Some said yes, and some said not interested. I'm the king of my life. I'm the king, and the glory will be for me and not for Christ. So Jesus began to teach them in Matthew 6, verse 9. In this manner, you ought to pray. Your words are to line up with the reality of this kingdom. And he says like this, Our Father, who art in heaven... Your name be hallowed. Verse 10. Thy kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus, and do what you want. You guys are going too fast for me. Verse 10. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Here on earth. Some people have a concept. Well, I don't need Jesus now because I'll need him in heaven. Well, listen to me. Surrender today. Let him be the king of glory upon the earth so that you might see his glory. Your will be done here on earth as it is being done in heaven. Lord, show yourself in my life. Who does this belong to? It doesn't belong to the proud. Matthew 5.3 says, Blessed are those that are humble in spirit, those who walk lowly in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's one of the, the, one of the mysteries. One of the things I've seen of people that really live this life are people that are, you know, they're broken. They need God. I need God to be king in my life. I need him to lead me in the way I should go. There's a lot of, we got to be careful with queendoms. How many understand a queendom? A woman who has no king in her life. She rules and reigns in a matriarchal fashion. Matriarch comes from having a throne run by a, a motherly system. When I first met one young man that comes to this church, he says, why isn't God a woman? And I said, I don't know. Jesus said our father who's in heaven. He didn't say our mother who's in heaven. So if he called him father, why do you want to call him mother? You know why? Because it's rebellion. Because it's confusion. Because we don't understand the ways of God. And we have opinions. But the kingdom belongs to those that are poor, lowly in spirit. Not poor in, in, in questions of poverty, but those that understand their need. And one of the greatest verses that's always been a blessing in my life, because sometimes we think, I can't go there. I, I don't belong there. I'm not that caliber. And so Luke 12, 32, Jesus said this, Do not let fear run your life, for it is God's desire to give you. It's not something you earn. It's a gift. It's not something you're worth. He wants to give you. We, we give people things all the time. They're not working for it. They don't deserve it. We're just gifting it. Why? It's out of our disposition. So this verse has always been a blessing to my life. I don't have to compete to get into the kingdom of God. 
It's something that God wants to invite me. I'm invited to come into the kingdom. So I don't have to fear. So great was this teaching and insistence to the leaders. In Luke chapter 17, the religious leaders of his day came up to him and says, Listen, when is it you're going to start this thing? When is it you're going to start your political campaign to be the king? And so Luke 17, 19 says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, The kingdom of God does not come by counting your days on a calendar. Do we have that? That's not the one, huh? We're going to find it. We're going to take the time it needs to find it. Because I, when I'm preparing, sometimes the books go different. Here it goes. These guys wanted to know when they could get started. And, and he responded, because you might be asking that too today. You might be saying, so when does this take place? And this is the response. Is it verse 20? Yeah, Luke 17, 20. I'm sorry. Yeah, I have it there too. I, I put 19. Okay, so when he was asked by the religious leaders, the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. You're not going to sit there and count, okay, on April 6, uh, 2014. No, verse 21. Nor will they say, see there, go to this place or go to that place. For the kingdom, indeed, the kingdom of God is the time when you allow your heart inside of you acknowledge that Jesus is king. Now you determine, when is it going to come? For some of us, it came a long time ago, the day we stopped following. Listen, what I had in my mind was a bunch of shambles. No right direction in any direction. And when Jesus comes, he brings clarity of thought. He gives per significance and purpose. He gives direction. And people start saying, are you gone crazy? You're living for God. You're doing God's, I'm doing God's will. His will is better than mine. See there, for the indeed the kingdom of God is within you. It's the government of God. It's the will of God in your heart that determines when it will come. You determine that. For some people, it was never. For Judas, it was crazy. Judas says, I will give 30 pieces of silver and, and just sell him off. I don't want him to be keen in my life. I'd rather live the way I live. Matthew eleven twelve says, From the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven is violently suffering. It's violently. There's a forceful suffering of the kingdom of God. And only the violent, the courageous, valiant, take it by force. You decide who's going to be keen in your life. And no one else is going to decide for you. Luke uh, 4, 6, the devil wants you to come to his kingdom. To bow down and worship him. To follow his ways. He says, the devil said to Jesus, all this authority I will give you. And their glory, everything. For this has been delivered to me. He's saying, I have all the kingdoms of the earth. And I will give it to whomever I wish. Matthew 8, uh, 4, 8 says like this, the devil took him to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the earth and all the glory. What is the devil showing you that keeps you from making Jesus king? What high mountain have you come upon? 
where you think that you have a better life outside of Jesus being king in his kingdom. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Verse 9. And he said, if you bow down, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And so you just come across all your thoughts and all, your, all the things that you picture yourself attaining without Jesus. And you're like, no, I don't come to Jesus because he's going to take my time. He's going to take my treasure. He's going to take my talent. If he's Lord, I'm going to have to serve him. I'm going to excise uh, worship to him. And verse 10. Jesus answered him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall only worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. You decide. You decide this morning what God is trying to tell you for the coming days. But I'll tell you one thing this morning. Matthew 6, 24. No man could serve two kings. You're not going to be able to serve both kings. Quit wasting your time. If you're not serious about Jesus, you don't belong in this place. Go and I tell my friends who don't come to Jesus, hurry up and serve whatever you're going to do. And so that destruction comes upon you fast. And then you'll come to Jesus. Go and do what you think is going to establish a lot of us want to be like Judas. We want Jesus Christ to help us further our kingdom. He's not going to. He doesn't share his glory. You cannot serve two masters. You will hate one and love the other. People have come into this church for 10 years at a time to say they love and serve Jesus Christ. And, and, and all their life gets put back together. And then they ultimately don't want to surrender because they have something behind their back that they don't want to let go. And the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You'll hate one and love the other. You'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and other kingdoms. In this case, the kingdom of mammon, money. That's a lot of times we don't come to Jesus. We think money has a better pursuit. I'll tell you right now, it doesn't. Because he owns all the gold and the silver. Matthew 26, verse 15. The question was asked to Judas. And I'll ask you this morning, what are you willing to give? So that you can give up Jesus as being king. This is the question that Judas asked. What are you willing to give me if I deliver the king to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. How are you going to sell out on making Jesus Christ? Because the devil will pay you. He will give you the promotion. He will give you the increase. And so from that moment on, verse 16, it says, From that moment on, Judas looked for the opportunity to betray the king. He looked for the opportunity to not have to serve him. The end of the story is found in Revelations eleven fifteen, where it says, All the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Yes. You're not going to lay it down now. I'll tell you what. You're going to have to lay it down at some time. Let's stand this morning. I want to be brief because you have a great opportunity this morning to let Jesus Christ be king of your life. You could enter into his kingdom and have an everlasting inheritance. I told my son on this trip to Dominican Republic, as, an, as a man who is waiting to be faithful to his inheritance in God, you're going to be real busy upon the earth. My nieces have a great inheritance because they have made Jesus Christ their king. I've seen this happen in the last couple of years systematically and with each step they have taken. To make sure that the kingdom of God is real. To make sure that Jesus Christ is keen in their life. To make sure that they not misinherit and lose out the portion that's laid up for those who come and are part of Christ's kingdom. This morning I want to be brief also. If you want to make keen 
And Jesus, Lord of your life, I want you to come forward. This is an opportunity you have to visibly tell the principalities and the powers and all the demons. If there was any doubt that Jesus Christ was not the king of glory, the king of kings in your life, just come up to the altar because I want to pray with you. And I want the heavens to be a witness. I want the angels to be a witness because the angels encamp around those that are citizens of the kingdom. They're not, it's like a, you know, you don't, a government doesn't sit out his army to defend foreign nations. An army goes out to, de- to defend those that are citizens of the kingdom. Those that submit and are faithful to the king. Those that pay tribute, that, that serve, that honor. If there's any rebellion in the kingdom, if there's anything that comes to, to discount the lordship of, of the ruler and the one who reigns upon the throne, those, those immediately are executed and removed from the kingdom. They have the, he, he told them, you have no part with me. He told Peter. If you're not willing to let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. And Christ is serious about this. And he says to to the thief on the cross, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He says, this day you shall be with me in paradise. It was that quick. It doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of theology. It just takes this day for you to say, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom thank God that man made that decision at the last breath of his life and God was faithful father we give you thanks this morning for what you're doing in this house we give you thanks oh God that your kingdom come and your will be done and that you reign gloriously forever not only as a good friend not only as a powerful teacher and a great prophet but you are king of glory You sit upon the throne and rule and reign. And you have promised that those who overcome, who fight the battles of the Lord, shall also sit with you upon your throne and shall rule the nations with the rod of iron. I pray that we come up to the stature and the measure and the excellence of your kingdom in our lives. And that we hear your voice clearly. And that we might be born of the water and born of the Spirit. That we might enter into your kingdom. We give you thanks for those that are here this morning. That have surrendered to you, O God. And have decided that you would be their master. Their great God and King forever and ever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.